Vive la Revolution. Um, yes, yeah, so we are in that. And we're basically looking together as a church um, at the, the revolutionary teachings of Jesus and, and his life. He was, he was himself a revolution starter. And the revolution that he started and began 2,000 years ago is continuing to this day. And we're looking at the change that he brought around certain ethical topics and what he spoke into them, how his life and teaching impacted them, um, and the change that he can bring into our lives today. And that's what we're looking at. And, and I listened to, to Pastor Mike's um, amazing two, two, two messages. Like, hands up who, has, who heard them that was here before? Yeah, they were two outstanding messages. Um, I'm not going to lie, it made me a little bit nervous to come and preach today. The, the bar has been set quite high um, by, by Pastor Mike there. But looking at um, how Jesus impacted and revolutionized the way that we see race and inclusion and the way that we see gender as well. And my two fantastic messages there. And um, just to really to encourage us, like we are blessed to have um, a gift like Mike in, in one church. Um, because I think you guys are really privileged to have him preach regularly here. Um, but what you might not know is that he, he really helps to shape and inform uh, how the rest of the ter- churches teach. Um, so he really helps me. So I get to preach in Gloucester. And his work that he puts in really sets me up to, to, to bring the best that I can. And so we are, all of us in this church and beyond, benefiting from the gift that, that God has given this church. So I think we need to sort of honor it and draw the best out of him um, when he is preaching here. But um, Mike, thank you for the work that you do, for your faithfulness, um, and for how much you apply yourself to crafting what God has given you. So um, I appreciate you, mate. Um, Brilliant. So, so there's, there's different... I don't, I don't really know where to stand, so I might, I might go between both. Do, where do you guys usually stand? Here. My, my, uh, <laughs> there, there were three height comments, Gavin, in, in the space of a few seconds there. We just said about honouring Mike people, and uh, thanks, Kai. And that's, how, <laughs> that's brilliant, isn't it? Mike stands on there because of his height. Um, is what was said. <laughs> um, but he's a great teacher. Um, so the, the topic that I've been given then, um, the different ethical topics that Jesus spoke into and informed, the one that I've been given is slavery. And that's what we're going to talk about together um, today. Um, as I've studied for it, as I've prepared for it, um, I realize really that this is, it's a mammoth topic. Um, one that I will not be able to do justice in the next 25 minutes to three hours, depending on how how long I, I go for, but um, it, it, it's, it's one really that I hope will start a conversation uh, and, and start some thoughts and maybe start a line of inquiry for you guys to, to research further um, and to explore further. Um, so I'm going to do my best to, to follow what I feel God has given me to share um, and pray that it blesses you and gives you something to, to, to be challenged on. Um, slavery as a topic throughout scripture is, is present um, in, in, in many different settings, in many different ways. There's, there are entire books of the Bible um, that are devoted to telling the story of a whole people group that went into slavery and then their exodus out of slavery. Uh, there are letters in the Bible which uh, the writer of those letters addresses slaves and slave owners alike. 
Um, there, are, there are stories told of rich people that would have owned slaves. Um, it is there, present throughout the entirety of Scripture. And the world that Jesus lived in, the, the platform that he steps onto, um, slavery was very prevalent. Um, so, so the Roman Empire, was the, the economic system was based on slavery. Um, it was very pre like prevalent um, where he was. And the people, the, the, the nation of Israel that he stepped into, they were awaiting. So they were living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. This is the world that Jesus lived, lived and stepped into. And they were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for a savior. They were waiting for someone to come and free them, to liberate them, to, to help perhaps to start an uprising, to start a revolution whereby the, the shackles of the Roman Empire would be thrown off them and they would be free. Their nation would be restored to its former glory. They were waiting for the Messiah. And when Jesus came along and people thought that this was the Messiah, people thought that that's what Jesus would do that he would tackle slavery, that he would dismantle slavery, that he would dismantle the Roman Empire and free the people, free God's people. But, but he didn't do that. Like, not, not directly, at least. He, in fact, Jesus doesn't actually talk about slavery. He, he talks about it as a metaphor, slavery to sin, but he doesn't talk about slavery directly. So, so you and I might look back on that and think that's interesting. Maybe what Jesus did was he downloaded that mandate. He, he passed on the baton to, to his disciples or to the early church. And he said, right, this is, this is what I want you to do. We could think that Jesus gave that to the early church to do, to tackle slavery, to abolish slavery. Um, but, but that didn't, didn't happen directly either. And, and in fact, one of the most prominent, new, prominent writers of the church in the beginning, the apostle Paul, he writes directly to slaves in Colossians 3 verses 2, and he says this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it, not only when their eye is on you as to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. And, and what I want us to talk about today, I want us to, to, to consider with one another, is what Jesus came to do, the revolution that he started, I want us to consider it, how it was so much bigger, so much more impactful, so much more important than the simple dismantling of one human empire, or even abolishing slavery itself. Is that okay? Hey, I'm, I'm going to pray, and then, then we'll continue. Uh, so, Father God, I pray just in these next moments that we share, that you would speak to each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather here so freely today and to, to worship you, to read from, from your word, to reorientate ourselves around you, to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. And, and I pray, Lord, that it will be your words that are louder than mine. Help us today to see Jesus more clearly, to, to become like him each and every day, we pray. In your wonderful name, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Um, for, for those in this, in this room here, I doubt many of us would have had much first-hand experience when it comes to slavery um, or modern-day slavery. Mo modern-day slavery is a very real thing that exists. It's a very real problem uh, in the world today. But, but I doubt many, if any of us, have, have experienced what it is like or experienced it first-hand. Um, what I know that we have all experienced, though, is the feeling... Uh, of being stuck. We have all felt stuck. In one way, shape, or another, we have all 
been in a spot or a situation where we have not felt in control, where something else has been in control of the circumstance or us or the situation. We've all felt that. And um, just to help me explain my point, there, there are two types of stuck, which I'm going to illustrate with, with two quick stories, two types of stuck that you and I can experience and get into. Um, the first, um, back in, in one church in Gloucester, when I was a child, so I, I've grown up in, in this church, um, when I was a child, there's, there's a toilet by the offices. I went to the toilet in there. Um, and I did my business, but the door wouldn't open. So I was stuck in that toilet. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. Panic set in, fear set in. Um, and I just began to shout out to, to whoever was around. And, and I thank the Lord, and some of you will know this, man. I thank the Lord for the greatest children's worker to ever have graced the planet, uh, Mark Lockett. Because he, he passed me by, and he heard my cry for help. Um, and he did what I think like all of us really secretly want the opportunity to do one day. Because um, he said, Nathan, are you hurt? I was like, no, Mark, I'm just, I'm just stuck. I can't get the door open. And he said, Nathan, stand back. <laughs> so I stood back. Boom, like this. And the door flung open. Um, and I was, I was saved by that magnificent man of God. And I'm here today to tell you the story because of Mark Lockett. <laughs> I could very well be stuck in that toilet today had it not been for that great man. Um, one type of stuck. The second, uh, when I was in year seven, uh, many, many moons ago, um, there was um, three stories in the one building in my school, um, and there was a stairwell. And my friend in year seven, he, he looked down the stairwell, and he stuck his head through the bars to, to see the year 11s uh, making their way up the stairs. Now, his head went in. His head did not come out. Our heads are designed that way, it seems. They can, they can fit quite nicely, but they can't get out. And, and needless to say, the year 11s were not kind when they found him um, at, the, at the top of the stairs. Um, two quick illustrations of being stuck. Now, the first, being stuck behind the door, um, that wasn't my fault. I didn't ask for the door to be stuck. I didn't, I didn't jam the door. I just closed it, and then it wouldn't budge. And it's an example, I think, of the type of stuff that you and I can experience because sometimes we get ourselves into circumstances, situations, face things, and they are nothing to do with us. We didn't ask for this to happen. I didn't ask for that debt. I didn't ask for that problem. I didn't ask for that trial. I didn't ask for that sickness. I didn't ask for that abuse, that pain. And yet, nevertheless, I am stuck because of it. That can be a type of stuck that we get into. Others, like the second, we know full well, this was my own stupid decision. <laughs> I did this. I did this. I knew it wasn't a good idea, but nevertheless, here I am. And, and I can see exactly whose fault it is. Mine. I put my head through these bars. I did this. I said that. I, I got into that habit. I got into that lifestyle, and now I can't get out of it. Two types of stuck. And, and what can happen, and I'm going to use this as a bit of an illustration uh, throughout the message. is over time, these different things that we get stuck into can end up feeling somewhat chain-like, like this. And, and I want to be clear, like everyone in this room, in some way, shape, or form, you will have a version of this in your life. Yours will be different to mine, but we all, we all have one. For example, there are, it could be a job. It could just be a job that you don't enjoy and that you find yourself going back to each and every day and it just feels like 
It's holding you back. It's a, it's a chain in your life. It could be an addiction. It could be debt. It could be sickness. It could, whatever it might be. It could be a personality flaw. It could be a dysfunctional family. Whatever it might be. All of us have this in some way, shape, or form. Yours will be different to mine. And, and I think a side note, perhaps for us to consider, in church, we should never make anyone feel bad for having one of these. This, this should never be a place where people come and are made acutely aware of the stuff that's holding them back or the stuff that's in their life. Because we all have one. And, and far be it from me to make anyone else feel lesser than me because I've managed to make mine more like a keychain than a, than a glaringly obvious one. But we all have something in our life which just feels like a, ah, why is this still here? I thought I got past that. I thought I dealt with that. And, and we, may go, we may go days, weeks, months, years without feeling the inconvenience of it, but then snag, there it is. Ah, th this, I thought this was done. And the variety in this room, this could be something from a very minor inconvenience in your life to a life debilitating thing. But we all, we all have one in one way, shape or form. And, and what can happen over time, if they don't go, if the chain doesn't leave, if it's not something that is just uh, there for a season and then gone the next, if it's there, we can almost end up becoming enslaved to the things that would hold us back, whatever your chain is, yours is different to mine, we all have one. We can almost become as if this is our master, this, because really this is in control. This, this debt, this mindset, the way that I am, my personality flaw, my family, my situation, it, this really is in control and much as I like to think otherwise, this is dictating to me how I'm living right now. And have you noticed our language sometimes of how we, we talk about things like this? We, we call it we almost like adopt it as part of our identity of like who we are so that this this becomes my my debt this becomes my my, my asthma it's my asthma this this inconvenience this thing it's my situation my circumstance my and we almost embrace it as as ours and become enslaved to to these things and and i don't know about you you, you might be new to to this environment or not, i don't know everyone in this room and we can get into spaces like this um, and be filled with hope and optimism and, and faith. And we can be, like you guys led so well in worship today and really appreciate that. Um, and it was a great encouragement as well that you brought. And we can be filled in moments like that with optimism and faith and hope. And we can believe that things are going to be better and things are going to change and that God is good and that God sees me in this moment. And, and we can leave. And like one of my favorite songs is there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain. And we say amen to things like that. Yes, amen. We leave those doors and we may feel that for a time, but then, ah, is, was I not singing loud enough? Did, did, I not, did I not pray with enough sincerity? Like maybe, maybe, I don't know. And it can conjure up in us questions and confusion and doubt and, and like, God, do you, do you even care about this? Do you even see me in this? Like maybe, maybe God is there, but he, he's not interested in the, these nuanced areas of my life. Maybe, maybe there's bigger problems. Maybe he has bigger fish to fry than, than this. And, and it, can, it can create a sense of disillusionment or frustration um, in us. And, and sometimes this is enough for people to, to abandon the idea of God altogether. Because if God were there, explain this. How, how does, and on a, on a philosophical level, 
Some people reject or don't even want to entertain the idea of a God because of this, and you would call it the problem of evil, that people see, see bad things in the world and think God can't possibly be there because of these things, and, and take slavery as an example of that, the horrific things that mankind is capable of in that regard. How, how would God allow that to happen? And, and our idea of who God should be and who he is sometimes doesn't always align with our reality that we experience. God, I thought you would deal with this. And there's, there's an amazing um, conversation that's captured in the Gospel of Luke um, between two of Jesus' disciples um, right after Jesus had died and he was raised to life again, but they didn't know that he was raised to life again. And they were with him, and they were excited for this revolution, the change that he was bringing, the, the, what he was going to do. But then he died. So, so they're having this conversation, and the, the writer, Luke, comments about their demeanor, comments about where they're at. He says they were downcast. They were confused. Like, what? Jesus, I, we thought Jesus was this amazing revolutionary, going to do some great things, but now he's dead. And, and they said this, like the, the beautiful irony of the conversation being captured is that Jesus is the one listening to them and walking with them because it's on the road to Emmaus. Um, and it's in Luke 24, 21. And they say this, we thought he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. We thought he was going to fix this. We thought he was going to overturn the Roman Empire. We thought he was going to get rid of all these. But, but that's not happened. Now what? And, and I think you and I can think the same sometimes, and I certainly can. God, I thought you were going to fix this. I thought you were going to be the one to redeem me. And if I'm not careful, what I mean by redeem me is fix my problem. God, I thought you were going to be the one to fix this problem. The problem's still here. And, and like the, the writer, uh, like Luke writes, we can become downcast and, and have an idea of what God should do. Um, my hand is now covered in rust. Um, it doesn't always align with our reality. Now, I want to, I want to be clear on, on this, and, and I'll read parts of it just so I can get it right. Um, but what, what Jesus came to do, the change that he actually came to bring, and as I said, how it's far bigger and better than dismantling a human empire or even abolishing slavery or even just getting rid of the problems that you and I face. What he did, the revolution that he started, was far greater than that. Jesus set out to dismantle, and here's what he came to do. The greatest oppressor humanity had been or will ever be enslaved to, and that is sin, separation from God. With all of its many forms, each as vile as the next, Jesus came to end the worst kind of slavery, and that is slavery of the soul. This is what Jesus came to do. So there's a theologian called Don Carson, and he puts it this way. You have to keep an eye on Jesus' mission. Essentially, he did not come to overturn the Roman economic system, which included slavery. He came to free men and women from their sins. And here's my point. What his message does is transform people so they begin to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love their neighbor as themselves. Naturally, this will have an impact on slavery. I love that quote. Yeah, now, so the revolutionary teachings of Jesus, it set, and, and uh, Pastor Mike said this in, in week one, what it, does, what it has done, it set humanity on this redemptive upward trajectory 
away from and into away from the oppressive way of living, the oppressive ways that we can be toward one another, and into a more into a better way of thinking, a better way of living, a better way of interacting with each other. And where slavery exists or continues has existed or continues to exist in the world today, it exists in direct opposition to the teachings of Jesus and to the heart of God. If people genuinely loved God with all their heart and loved each other as themselves, that would change everything. That would revolutionize the world. Um, but again, the slavery Jesus was opposed to was the source of all slavery, and that is slavery to sin. Remove that and watch everything else come crumbling down. It's the, it's the root of the fruit of the thing, both, both in our lives personally, but also on the grand scale of where humanity has gone and some of the horrific things that we have done to one another. The root of that is a slavery of the heart and a slavery to sin. And that's what Jesus targeted. That's what he came to dismantle. That's what he came to change in us. Jesus set about to free us and to adopt us into his family. Galatians 3 verses 26 says this, and it should come up on the screen. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And all of you um, who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither... Jew, nor Gentile, slave, nor free, nor is there male, nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, um, Galatians 4 verses 7, I think, is the next one. So, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. It's an amazing truth there in Galatians. Um, but now, now like, think, think about that with me for a second. Because what's, what's the Apostle Paul writing? He's saying there's no... Jew, no Gentile, there's no, no slave, no free, there's no male or female. That's what he says. Now, who would have been listening to that? Who, who were those words written to? Males, females, Jews, Gentiles, free people, and slaves. So what Jesus has done, and just by hearing that and believing that, doesn't automatically just get rid of those categories doesn't by default suddenly get rid of these. So go with me. Don't throw anything at me yet, okay? If I believe that, if I believe that in Christ I'm free, if I believe that in Christ I'm a new creation, um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, those that are in Christ are a new creation, the old is gone and the new is here. If I believe that, does that automatically mean that everything in my life like this will just drop off? D does, it, does it mean that this is just going just gonna to go? And and I think sometimes, yes. Like, I, I do believe that there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And I do believe that he is capable and able to, to bring radical, revolutionary change in a moment in our lives. But not always. And not necessarily. What he's writing and what the Apostle Paul is getting at there is that those categories no longer have any bearing or impact or have no say in who you are as a person. They have no voice in that equation. They have no power over you. The chain that you may face can no longer dictate to you who you are. There are no categories. There's no male, female, slave, free, Jew, Gentile. You're all one in Christ. And Christ looks at you and calls you a son and calls you a daughter. He doesn't look at you and define you by your chains or by your shortcomings or your failures or your pain or the things in life that will try and pull you back or define you. No, he looks at you and sees you through Jesus. So that's my son. And that's my daughter. So we are no longer in Christ slaves to our chains. 
we are children of our God. No longer slaves to our chains, children to our, our God. Now, the, the, the challenge is this, because if the, if the Christian life that we are called to and that we believe in, if being a Christ follower was supposed to be synonymous with chain-free living, um, then the Apostle Paul was doing something very wrong. <laughs> um, because he, he lived so much of his life literally in these. He wrote four of his letters in the New Testament to different churches from prison, in chains. And he's writing about the freedom that we can experience in Christ and our new identity in Christ from these. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a, a, an amazing, um, revolutionary idea to think that no matter what I face, no matter where I go, no matter how difficult life can be at times, none of that has any bearing on who I actually am or how I should think or how I should see myself or conduct myself. The only thing that truly matters when all is said and done at the end of the day is that I am a son because of Jesus. I'm a daughter because of Jesus. I've been adopted and translated into his family regardless of these things that I can face. They no longer have a bearing. I'm not a slave to my chain. I'm a child to my God. So what we are granted, we may not choose our chains, but we always have a choice in our chains. You may not choose your chain, but you always have a choice in your chain. And your choice is this. Will I, leave, will I live as a slave to these things or as a son? Will I live as a slave or as a, as a son? I don't know about you, but these things in, in my life, they always find a way of um, rearing their ugly head when, when I'm about to do something new. When I'm about to step into something that, that makes me a bit nervous, when I'm about to go on mission for the first time, when I'm about to, to take on a new task or project, like, it's like I step into it and then this, this thing rears its ugly head again. Does anyone else yeah. feel that? Like, ah, okay, yep, there we go. And, and I'm given a choice in that moment because this can, it's quite loud, isn't it? This, these things in our life can be so loud and, and attempt and be so confident and, and so bold and try so hard to tell us who we should be, what we can do, and what we can't do. Here's, ah, oh, you want to go on mission, do you? Oh, here's why you can't. You, oh, you feel, that, you feel like God has called you to do something different or to bring change or to, to, to be used by him. Let me tell you why that's not a possibility for you. And, and we can listen to them. We can become enslaved to these things. But in Christ, the choice is always ours. The choice is always yours, and I will always have a choice. Will I, will I listen to this as loudly as it can shout at me sometimes? Or will I listen to the words of my father that say, I'm adopted, I'm chosen, not forsaken? Um, it says in Galatians 5 verses 1, So Christ has truly set us free. Make sure that you stay free. So Jesus has done it. He's done the work. He, by his death and resurrection, he's, he's brought us into a new way of living. It's my choice then to stay that way, to live that way, to think that way, to, to remind myself of what he has done. And, and please don't, um, I don't want to make light of anyone's chain in this place and the struggle that you might be going through. And, and, and you may think it's easy, it's easy for you to say that, but you don't know what this is. And you're right, I don't know what this is for you. Um, but I do believe that we are granted that choice. Um, my, my grandfather, um, so he is with the Lord now, uh, was one of the most faith-filled men that I ever got to, to meet, a lovely, kind man of God. Um, and 
he, he was an encourager. He was a, a, a kind, a faithful man. Uh, but he lived his life chained up in a body that wasn't working. Um, he lived his life, um, so he had Parkinson's and MS um, for, it, it was the entire time that I knew him, so like, it affected his speech, it affected his uh, dexterity, he, he was in a wheelchair, um, and, and it was a very physical, and it was a very real chain in his life, but for me, he exampled what it was to not listen to his chain to inform who he was. Or, or how he was going to conduct himself. And he remained a faith-filled, honorable, loving man of God until the day that he died. Because as real as these chains were for him, it had no bearing on the fact that he was still a child of God. Yeah. Yeah. And as real as your chains may be, they have no bearing unless you give them that power to. They have no power to speak into your situation or to dictate what you do unless, unless you allow them to. Is this making sense for us? Um, so so my, my question and my challenge would be is, is how have you been living? Um, how have you been thinking? Um, how have you been thinking about yourself? How have you been seeing opportunity situations? How have you been speaking? Because it's so easy for us to live our lives dictated to and under the oppression of the things that would seek to hold us back. And not as a son and not as a daughter. My son is 15 months old. And... Uh, he, he's wonderful. He's, he's, I, call, I call fatherhood as much as I can experience of it thus far. It's brilliant and brutal all at the same time. Like, but he, he, has, he has no qualms with, with waking me up in the morning. Like literally the other day, he, he prized my eyes open um, when I was, trying to, I, was, I was trying to pretend, but he knew, he knew, and just did this. Just did this. He will, he will walk to the top of the staircase, um, or waddle to the top of the staircase, and just step off, knowing, knowing that like, I'm around and that I will catch him. Sometimes I do. <laughs> Other times it's his mum's fault for missing. Um, but like, such confidence and such... Um, he, he knows that I'm his dad, and he knows that he is my son. And, and that's, that, is this, that is just part of him. He, 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 can, he can barely speak. He, he says sounds for animals. Um, he, he, he knew how to say, so tweet woo, before, which is an owl. So you look at an owl, he says, tweet woo. Can't say mummy yet. So she, uh, <laughs> I think she takes offense at that. Um, but he, he knows who he is. And as he grew, and we heard this over the weekend, it was a great challenging point. As he grows up in our house, he'll be doing different things. So one day he's going to have some chores, one day he's going to have some responsibilities, one day he's going to maybe cut the grass. Um, in that moment when he's cutting the grass, he's not going to become my gardener. He will be my son cutting the grass. Yeah. And when he has the responsibility to tidy up his bedroom, he's not going to become the house cleaner. He is my son, who probably won't be tidying up his bedroom, but will be that would be his responsibility. It, it, what he does has no bearing on who he is. It's, he knows whatever he, he does and wherever he goes, when he leaves the house one day, he will always be my son. And he will always have the confidence knowing that whatever he needs, I, I, am, I am there for him. Like what confidence could you and I walk around with if that was our mentality and we viewed ourselves through that lens and no longer through the lens of the things that would just say, oh, do you remember when you made that mistake? Or do you remember how difficult this is? Or here's why you can't achieve things? No, no, I am a, I am a son. I am a child of the king. Like, what, what confidence would that give us? Where, where can I go where he won't follow me? Where, where, what can I do where he won't recklessly chase after me? 
Oh, that's, that's the God that we serve. That's the wonderful God that we, we have. And, and that's, that's what he is wanting for us. And that's how he is wanting us to live. And that there's so much that we can say about this. But, but sometimes we can be so fixated on, God, if you'd only just get rid of this. And, and I, I track back to, to what my, how my grandfather lived. I am inspired through his life and through his chains. And if my grandfather had spent all of his time and all of his energy and all of his thought consumed by what he couldn't do, then, then that would be a very small way of living. But he, he lived in a way, he didn't once moan about this. And instead, God, God used this. And I can't explain it. Can't, I can't rationale or reconcile that all the time. But the Apostle Paul says that, that my, I'm in my chains for the advancement of the gospel. It's a, it's a profound idea. But what if we could think that way? That God, even in this, even in my waiting, even in my pain, even in my lack of understanding, use this. Like, do something in this with me. Like, what, what freedom could you and I experience? Freedom of living, freedom of thinking. What, what, what could we try if we lived that way? Um, and I think just a, f- a few more thoughts. What this does, if we get that, it it changes how we see ourselves, and then, then here's the, the revolutionary impact that it brings to, to the world. So I've, I've done my best to take this massive topic and just kind of carve a path on a kind of a personal, individual level. But when we get that, you and I, it completely changes the way that we see each other. Um, hiding, hiding in the booth up there is, is my cousin, Dan. Uh, he's from Gloucester. Give, give us a wave, Dan. There he is. Um, and he, uh, he's not just hiding over there, he's, he's like into his tech and he looks after the, the, the production, the tech at Gloucester, that's why he's there. I hope, not just on his phone. Um, but yeah, he, Dan is my family. So he, he, we, we share the same blood as one another. And uh, Dan, Dan is a, an absolute wizard when it comes to video production and he, he makes some amazing content. Um, and I've, I've taught him everything that he knows. Um, and. I would take issue if in any way, shape, or form, Dan was stuck. So be it financially, be it in a, physically in a toilet. Because like, like, Dan is my family. And, and if he's stuck, I'm not okay with that. Because that, he, he, is, he is my family. And it's, it's my mandate and job and responsibility, I say it as, to make sure that he is living the best version of his life that he can be. And if he wasn't, then that's my responsibility. I think what we can do is we can, we can distance ourselves from our brothers and sisters who would, share a di- who would have a different nationality or different surname or different skin color and think, well, I'm okay. But what this does, if I recognize that each and every person that I bump into, like God cares for that person as much as he cares for me. They are his child as much as I am his child. That's going to radically change the way that I see people and interact with them. And I am not going to be so okay with them being stuck. And, and I think as the church of Jesus Christ, if we can understand that and grasp that and run with that, it has this revolutionary effect on what we do and what we prioritize and how we live. And, and I love that you guys are doing Fresh Start. We, we run Fresh Start in, um, in one church in Gloucester as well. And it's, for me, it's this, this amazing outworking of the freedom that we have experienced and, and, and why, why should anyone live their life being dictated to by the things that we all carry. Yes, we've all got stuff, 
But come on, let's, let's work this out together. Let's figure out who we are in Christ together. Let's do things as a church which sees our brothers and sisters experience the same freedom that we have experienced and to see that appropriated and outworked in their lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, band, you can come up because um, we're just going to pray. Um, yeah, I hope this has been helpful. This has given you some things to think about. Um, just in this moment, let's, let's have a, a, a time of privacy, just reflection, um, just you and Jesus, how have you been living, how have you been thinking, has this thing been a bit loud in your world at the moment, has it, has it changed how you see yourself, how you see God, there's a father in heaven that loves you in spite of your chains, just while we pray, I want to be clear on this, like, I totally believe that the direction of travel for each and every one of us is complete holistic freedom in every sense of the word but if there is a chain in your life now that does not dislodge you from who you are in Christ 